You know, it's kind of interesting because sometimes the gifts that we need the most, we don't want the most. They can seem kind of offensive to us. Hey, we got lights. Thanks, guys. What I want to do for a couple minutes is I want to just talk a little bit about one scene in the Christmas story. It comes out of Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can turn to that if you want to. Uh, I'm going to put the passage up on the screen as well. Luke chapter 2 is this kind of the, I don't know, to me it kind of seems like the quintessential Christmas story because I remember watching long before I knew about church or long before I really knew about this whole deal that we're celebrating today. I remember watching um, the Peanuts Christmas thing, right? You know, like Charlie Brown, is that what was it? What was it called? Like Charlie Brown's Christmas? Okay, that was my introduction to this whole story. And, uh, and the part where the angels come to the shepherds, uh, I always remember Linus, you know, reading that part and talking about that. I had no idea what it meant. I just thought it was kind of cool. And now many years later, I read that part and I think, wow, there's some really interesting things that the, shep- that the angels actually say to the shepherds that are really incredible pointers kind of for you and I. So over the next couple minutes, I'm just going to look at what the angels said to the shepherds. And we're going to talk about this gift of Jesus and and receiving the gift. So let me pray, and I'm going to read this passage. Father, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all the things that you speak to us, all the different ways you communicate. And Lord, would you allow us to hear your voice uh, this evening? In Christ's name, amen. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it goes like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on, uh, and on earth, sorry, peace to men on whom his favor rests. You know, there, there's a couple really cool things here. The phrase, do not be afraid, is really one of the most common features of the Christmas story, believe it or not. Like, it comes up five times in the Christmas story. An angel appears to Zechariah as he's making an offering in the temple in Jerusalem and tells him, don't be afraid. Uh, An angel appears to Mary. First thing he says, don't be afraid. An angel, you know, appears to uh, Joseph in a dream, and he says, don't be afraid. Angel appears to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Comes up again and again and again. And... Partly, it's because I think maybe seeing an angel in all of its brightness (laughs) would be a bit terrifying. It says here that the shepherds saw this and they were terrified. Uh, And I looked up the word in the original language and guess what it means? Yeah, you guys are brilliant. It means really, really scared. Like, you know, definitely afraid. That's what it means. I mean, you picture you're the shepherd... You're just, you know, you're, you're often kind of dozing off land. You're going to sleep. Your sheep are going to sleep. Everything's calm, quiet. All of a sudden, there's like lights around you way before electricity. <laughs> it's like really intense. And there's this like glowing being standing in front of you. I, I'd be quaking as well, you know. Don't be afraid. 
But I think there's another reason that God says don't be afraid. In fact, in the scriptures, one of the things that you discover is that really lots and lots of times, it was over 70 times that I was able to count, and, and that was just a cursory look, over 70 times either God or one of his representatives tells human beings don't be afraid. Fear really is one of our most common emotions, isn't it? And, you know, I went on phobia.com not long ago, and uh, if you've never been there, it's a really interesting site, by the way. Um, I've found that there's all kinds of fears. I mean, there's the ones that we know of, like fear of flying and fear of public speaking and fear of driving in the snow that you guys get healed of really quick in Duluth. But I found all sorts of fears. Like, I found a fear that was all about the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. That was my favorite one out of the whole list, and there were hundreds of them listed. Fear of peanut butter sticking. I felt bad immediately for my dog that I had when I was about nine years old. Because <laughs> I think I know where that phobia came from. <laughs> it was the funniest thing in the world. My mom always wondered where the peanut butter went, you know, and it was the dog going, yeah, 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 you know, like over and over and over again. Bad son. I was the bad son, and there wasn't a good son. <laughs> I had a sister, though. She was good. So there's fear in our lives. There's fear of the big stuff, you know, like a systemic economic failure that we fear. There's, uh, remember back to Y2K? Like, you know, the whole fear thing with that? Well, there's a new one right around the corner. You know, the Mayan calendar comes to an end in 2012. You're doomed. There's a movie about it. You can see what happens before it actually gets here. <laughs> There's fear of like, you know, some of us have fear of what if something in the healthcare realm didn't pass. Others of us are filled with fear now that something did pass. Equal opportunity fear, I guess, is what you could say that that is. And, and then there's fear like on a personal level. You know, lots of fear on a personal level. There's fear of being discovered, being found out. You watch things happen to superstars and then you think, what if my secret's got found out. You know, uh, fear of uh, something the doc might say. Fear of finding a lump or a mole or a pain or something that we weren't expecting. There's all sorts of personal fears. Fear of my relationship ending or not going as planned or my relationship continuing. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not... <laughs> Some of us have fear of being with our family for this whole weekend, you know? Whatever the cause of the fear might be, there's this angelic being standing right in front of this sleepy shepherd, and what he hears next is this phrase, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The, the phrase good news is where we get our English word gospel. That's kind of the transliteration of it. And what that word actually means in the original language is that the gospel, the good news of like, for instance, say, this is like really good news, by the way, say there was a, an army bearing down on your village, and so all your strong folks, the men, the women, the children, everybody, went out and were doing battle, and they sent a courier back to you with word that you were winning, that you weren't going to be demolished as a village. There's that kind of good news. And it's good news that brings really, really great joy. This is the kind of like uh, dancing in the streets kind of joy, hugging a stranger, jumping up and down kind of joy. I've never done that. Apparently, I've never experienced this kind of joy, hugging a stranger, jumping up and down. I would ask you if you've ever hugged a stranger, jumping up and down, but I think I really don't want to know. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> so, goody, are you guys doing okay? Is everything sweet? Cool? Okay. There's more coffee available if you're 
like need the help. And one of the cool things about this joy is that no one is excluded. It's a great joy that will be for all the people. I've spent part of my life, as I'm sure you have too, feeling like you're on the outside looking in. Like, like all the fun is happening there, and I'm on the outside. It's kind of like one of those cell phone commercials, and you're not in the right bubble kind of thing. You don't have the right network. And then some of us, we're on the inside. We feel really good about being on the inside, except that we feel like we got there by accident. Like if they knew who I really was, I'd be, you know, they'd get me out of here quick. And so there's this whole like inside-outside thing, and the amazing thing to me when you read through the story of Jesus as he grew up from this whole birth thing that we celebrate is that he intentionally went after the outsiders over and over and over again. It was the people who didn't fit in that he was welcoming in. And, and believe it or not, there's this Old Testament prophet 400 years before Christ was around, uh, Isaiah, who talked about what this Christ would do, what Jesus would do. And Jesus actually quotes this in Luke chapter 4 as he talks about himself and what he's going to do. It goes like this. The first part of it is the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, meaning God's spirit is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And Isaiah is talking about all the outsiders, all the outcasts, the people who don't fit in. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. That this was the whole purpose of what Jesus was doing. The people who were normally rejected by the religious system of their day, he was inviting them in. That if they just put their confidence, their trust, their faith in him, like they got to go right into the inner sanctum of fun, of real life. They got to go there and live there. And... Obviously, this really ticked off the religious leaders because one of the things religion does is it sets boundaries and some people are in and some are out and so it really ticked them off because like, you're inviting the wrong people in. This is our spot. We're the ones that are supposed to be in. And before they knew it, they found themselves kind of on the outside looking in. No wonder Christ got executed by the leaders of his day. So what really is the good news according to the angel? Well, What he says is that in the town of David, meaning Bethlehem, there's a Savior born to you. A Savior. So this is kind of where the gift can get offensive. Like, who are you to tell me that I need a Savior? Like, really? The first time I read that, I'm thinking, I'm good. Like, I don't need a Savior. I don't know if I did the part, you know, but... It can seem offensive, given that gift. You know, one of the things, because we wanted to make this a a bit more experiential this evening, is when you leave tonight, um, we have a gift box for you. It doesn't have money in it. It's not going to help with the utilities. It's got chocolate kisses. Consider it a a Christmas kiss. Okay, maybe not. (laughs) It's chocolate, okay? But we want to give you a gift. Because there's an interesting thing about a gift. Somebody could give a gift, but it's not really yours until you like, receive it, right? There's something about taking the gift. And what I like about the story is that God knows exactly what we need. We don't want to admit we need a Savior, but according to him, we do. There's this rebellion, the Bible calls it our sin nature, that runs so deep within us that without the Savior, we have no hope 
of relationship to God. That's why Jesus made statements like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He made statements like that because that was true, that without this gift, we don't get to participate in the life that he offers us. One of his closest disciples, uh, the uh, Apostle John, at the beginning of his biography of Jesus' life, says that, that, uh, that Jesus, that there was light in him, and that, that light is actually the life of all mankind. Or I think it's the other way around. That, that, that in him is life, and that life is actually our light. It helps us like navigate our way. It helps us figure out who we are and what's really going on. This, he knows exactly what we need. And he offers it to us in his own son, in Jesus. God knows what we need. And this is going to get personal because he says that a savior is born to you. Like he comes right to the uh, shepherds who are like at the lowest rung of society in their day. Like they're like way at the bottom, you know, the part of the ladder that's stuck in the mud. That's where they are. Like way at the bottom. He comes right to them and announces the birth of the king announces the birth of the Messiah, the Christ child. And, and in there is a picture, I believe, of how God is willing and does come to every single one of us, every single one of us, offering that kind of life. It's not that Jesus just died for the world out there. It's not that Christ just comes for like, you know, those folks. It's like that Christ comes for me, that I need a Savior. This, this whole thing gets really personal really quick. According to the Bible, we can't get to God on our own. That we need this gift. And so, what he tells us is the gift is Christ the Lord. That's a wonderful little phrase in the New Testament. It comes up over and over again. Christ the Lord. The word Christ is just simply the Hebrew concept of Messiah in the Greek the long-awaited Jewish Messiah that was promised for hundreds, even thousands of years before Jesus shows up on the scene. The Old Testament just reeks of these promises of the Messiah who's going to come and set things right. Like that whole thing shows up over and over again in the Old Testament. Christ, the word Christ, just embodies that whole deal. That he's like the center of the whole story of the Bible. And he says that he's Christ the Lord. Christ the king. The Greek word that's translated Lord is pronounced Kyrios. Not that you really care, but it's the same exact word that was used of Caesar when they would say the great Lord Caesar over the whole Roman Empire and all of its colonies, the one who ruled. The early followers of Jesus in the scriptures, they actually use the exact same phrase the great Lord Kyrios, Jesus the Christ. And what they're saying is that we thought we had a Lord in Caesar. We found out we have a Lord in Christ. We found out we have a Lord in him. See, the way that you become a follower of Jesus, the way that you become a Christian, according to the Bible, not according to like the political process, but the Bible, the way you become a Christian is you become a, a follower of Christ that you're allowing Christ to be actually the Lord, the boss, the king. That you take your kingdom, like what you have, and you say, okay, now you get to be the boss of this. Actually give up control or the illusion of control that we thought we had. 
And we let him take charge. That's, that's what the whole thing means. In fact, that's what it means to receive the gift. It's to really allow the gift of Christ to allow him to be in control and in charge. And this box is just a silly little picture of that. And then I love the way that this thing ends. Where am I at here? Oh, here it is. I love the way that this thing ends. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men, or peace to those on whom his favor rests, or with whom he is pleased. Christ is the source of peace. He's where really peace, where real peace comes from. The Hebrew concept shalom just doesn't mean absence of conflict, but it means full and complete wholeness in every area of life. But that's where that comes from. And what's interesting to me is that really ties back to the very beginning, right? The whole do not be afraid. The reason that we don't need to have fear is because real peace is offered to us in the Christ. And that last phrase, or with whom, those peace rests with those that God's pleased with, that his favor rests on, that he's pleased with. I started to think, like, what would it take in my life like, to bring a smile to God's face? Right? I know what it'll take tomorrow morning to bring a smile to my face. What will it take? Oh, my screen went dark. Man, it happened again. It happened in the last service too, and I found out that what it was doing, it's reminding me that I need to speak at the Christmas Eve service. So, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm here. (laughs) I haven't figured out how to turn that reminder off yet. What would it take to bring a smile to God's face? What's interesting is that the angel tells us exactly what it takes, that we actually accept the gift of Christ as Lord, as Kyrios, that we begin to let him control all the different parts of our lives. We let him call the shots. You see, one of our problems is that there's parts of this whole Jesus thing that we like and parts that we don't like. So, for instance, when Jesus kind of, you know, when he tells the woman who was caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you, we like that part. But then when he says, go and sin no more, we're like, oh, I don't know about that part, right? <laughs> or we love it when Jesus really, I mean, he basically skewers the Pharisees in talking about their hypocrisy and the stuff going on in their lives. But we don't really like the parts where he talks about marriage and divorce, and so what we want to do is we want to pick and choose. Like I want to, you know, I want to go to a create my own savior workshop. And we want it to be like when we order our coffee. You know, you go into your favorite coffee shop and you say, I want a, you know what I want is I want, today I feel like a vente, extra hot, no fat, no whip, caramel, extra caramel, caramel, macchiato. Like that's what I want. I had to memorize that because I've never ordered that in my life. I go, just dude, dude, give me some coffee. You got any coffee, you know? But we want to do that with Jesus. Like, could I just pick and choose the pieces that I want? There's no peace from that. God offers us his very son, and we either accept him as he is or we don't. It's the way this thing works. We either accept the gift as it is or we reject the gift. And the choice really is ours. So here's what I want to do. 
I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but I want to invite you just to accept the gift of Jesus this Christmas. You know, just to invite him into every single element of your life, surrender to him fully and completely. This has nothing to do with being Lutheran or Catholic or Baptist or Vineyard or Episcopalian or anything else. It has nothing to do with the religious stuff. This has to do with Jesus. And he's the gift. And when we surrender to him, the thing that always amazed me is when I just surrendered, I felt like I was losing all control. But in the midst of that, I found this incredibly loving relationship with a heavenly father that I didn't know existed previously. And I found that there was more life there than in all the other ways I tried to look or try to find life. So I just want to invite you into that place of life. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for tonight, for this time together, for just all the different things that you're doing. God, thank you for that. Thank you for just our family and our friends and just being with people that we care about. We don't always get along with them, but we care about them. Thank you for them. And Lord, my, my prayer is that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us, even right now, just about surrendering to Jesus. That receiving Jesus as this Christ child is the ultimate gift. The Savior that we really do need, even though, to be honest, we find it offensive that we need that. So Holy Spirit, would you draw us to you? Would you woo us, as it were, to you tonight? Let's come, Lord. As, as we continue to pray, here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite those of you who would like to receive this gift of Jesus. Maybe you never have. I, I'm going to invite you to stand up and just to say, you know what, that's a gift that I want. I've never let him have control. I want to let him have full and complete total control. And, and I remember when I did that, like I couldn't answer all of the questions that I had, but I knew that if that's real, I want that. And if that's you, I just invite you to stand up. Just stand up as we're praying here. God, would you speak to us? Would you draw us to yourself tonight? Would you allow us to really know you and receive this gift? Just know you and receive this gift. Some of us are here, um, uh, I felt like, I felt like this was God uh, earlier, and, and I feel that way still, that some of us are here in our marriages, and it's like this time of year with everybody around and the pressure and the stress, oftentimes marriage or relationships like that could feel really, really pulled to the max. And, and I believe that Christ was created to be right in the center of our relationships, right in the center of our marriages. And if, if you're here tonight and you kind of feel like, you know what, this feels like, you know, you're here maybe with your spouse and you feel like Christ isn't in the center and this isn't going well, I want to invite you just to grab your spouse's hand and stand up and just say, we want Christ right at the center of our marriage. Maybe you feel like it's going pretty well, but you realize you've just been ignoring him for a while. You know, I just ask you, just invite you to kind of put him right at the center. Just go ahead and stand up in that. 
Say, Jesus, I want you right at the center. I don't want to like, wander around trying to find other stuff. God bless you guys. Just allow him to be right at the center of our marriage, of our life. It's the cool thing about this Christmas story is inviting him there. The cool part. And if you want to surrender to Jesus, I'm just going to lead us through a really simple surrender prayer. You can pray something like this. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, the Christ. Thank you for that this Christmas. And I want to surrender to you. I want you to be in charge fully and completely. So thank you for your birth the miracle that it was. Thank you for your perfect sinless life and your sacrifice on the cross just for me so I could have a relationship with my father. And then thank you. Thank you for the resurrection from the dead that proves the whole thing is true. Thank you, Father. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you change me from the inside out? Would you remake me into the person you created me to be? Just come, Lord. Could I have everybody else stand, please? If you stood up or if you prayed that prayer with me, uh, on the way out the door, we've got a simple gift that we'd love to give you especially. It's just a little packet like this. And inside is a Bible, a couple little brochures that talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's a CD that we've recorded talking about how to grow as a Christian. We'd love to give that to you as a gift. And they're, by, they're in some baskets by the doors, so feel free to grab one of those on your way out. And then also, um, uh, be, make sure you grab one of these from one of the uh, greeters who has baskets and baskets of them out there. Feel free to grab one of those gifts uh, also. The worship team's going to lead us in a, a few more Christmas carols. I just invite you guys to hang out for a little while, and then they'll dismiss us when we're done here. Father, thank you for this time, and we celebrate you. Yes.